Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. I've been so engrossed in this Vanderpump stuff that I totally forgot how to do a normal episode. I was going to ask you if the Oscars being the quote Super Bowl of Hollywood felt a little anticlimactic in comparison to Vanderpump drama, which really feels like recently the Super Bowl of Hollywood. I was going to say to you, if I'm being honest, there was no comparison. Like, of course, loved watching it. So happy to talk about it. But the way that I felt coming on to do those emergency episodes was an adrenaline pumping through my veins that I don't think an Oscars is going to give us. I don't even watch Vanderpump and I felt that way. Right? (laughs) Was it just me? No, I mean, uh, by the way, like I'm so fully engrossed in it for not being a watcher. Like I am obsessed and I am obsessed with the fact that I get to just sit back and watch you and Isabel at work. Like that is, do you know how special that is to me? Like one, I get to enjoy the content and two, I don't have to stress out about the content and it's still (laughs) you guys. That was a very hilarious dynamic this last week. Like Julie was truly our number one cheerleader. We'd be sitting together and she'd be like, okay, I'm just going to do a numbers check. And she'd like quickly check on to look at the downloads. She's text us updates. I almost felt like you were on the sidelines, like giving me Gatorade in the heat of the moment, you know? That's how I felt. You know what we actually talked about, which is really funny, is that in the heat of those really big episodes, you almost have to separate yourself from the numbers and the reaction because it like really hits you. I didn't have to separate myself because like I was already a little bit separated. So I just got to fully enjoy it. And I've never been able to really do that. And M, it was just a fucking rush. Like I loved last week. Well, and I appreciate that. And I loved how much you loved it. And I felt very supported by you, both me and Isabel did. So thank you for that. It was it was a fun time, you guys. We had a ride there. And now we get to talk about the Oscars. And now we get to talk about the Oscars, which we are obviously going to start with. But if you want me to be my most honest, 
The thing I'm like dying to talk about today is Chloe and Chris's birthday post to Tristan. And we got more DMs about that than we got about the Oscars because I think everyone was on the same page there of just intensive confusion. Here's the thing. I'm not confused. I just want to shake her a little. And I want to say, you don't have to do this. Yeah, no, I know. We'll stop for now. We'll do Oscars, but we will obviously come back to that because honestly, you and I haven't even really spoken about it that much. We've been really intentional in trying to save it for the podcast. So I guess this is what blue balls feels like. Yeah, I guess so. My first true understanding. It's probably good for you to be on the other side of it for a second though, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If we are talking Oscars, hands down to me, one of the most important moments of the entire night, red carpet or not red carpet, was Cara Delevingne in that red Ellie Saab on the red carpet. Best dressed, hands down. There's no competition. I know, and I honestly would have thought that that was best dressed no matter who was wearing it. If you had that dress, that hair, that makeup, that jewelry, to me, that was my choice. But on top of it, it being Cara, I just felt it was very symbolic of kind of this new era that she's entering. I mean, this comes off of her US Vogue cover where she spoke about the process of getting sober. She's four months into the journey, which I know a lot of people felt was relatively soon to do a Vogue cover kind of talking about it, but she did. And in it, she was talking about checking into rehab in late 2022. And if you guys remember, there were those paparazzi photos of her that had gone kind of viral. She was barefoot. She looked very distressed and she spoke about it. And she was saying, I hadn't slept. I was not okay. It's heartbreaking because I thought I was having fun, but at some point it was like, okay, I don't look well. You know, sometimes you need a reality check. So in a way, those pictures were something to be grateful for. From September, I just needed support. I needed to start reaching out. And my old friends I've known since I was 13, they all came over and we started crying. They looked at me and said, you deserve a chance to have joy. And I know it's a kind of very superficial thing, but I did feel like her presence at the Oscars was representative of this new phase of her life that she's spoken so positively about. I actually don't feel like it's overly superficial to say that because I feel like specifically if you're comparing photos of her from a couple of months ago, the same photos that she saw and came to the conclusion that like she was not okay and this was just such a glaring representation of that to now seeing her at the Oscars, yes, being best dressed, but also on top of being best dressed, looking so incredibly healthy. Like you look at those two photos side by side and you see somebody who is clearly on a journey of of healing and looks well. And so there's that added layer to it. She was really glowing and that was on full display. And then just to zoom in on the superficial for a second, I was blown away by that outfit. And honestly, the Vanity Fair after party, white one as well. I thought that was ridiculously stunning. It's funny. I had the same reaction to Cara that Twitter had, which was like, look at Cara showing up on this red carpet and reminding everybody why she was the it girl for a period of time. Like, I looked at her and I was like, this is why Tumblr in 2013, 2014 used to go absolutely feral for her. Mm -hmm. Those were the days. And I remember them so vividly, especially her lion tattoo. Oh my God. It was the King Kylie days too. I mean, that was, that was, that was the definition of like, you just had to be there. Truly. Some of my other favorites, Emily Blunt in that white Valentino, Angela Bassett in the purple Moschino. Rihanna red carpet, but I have to say the Mason Margiela from the performance, that was really to die for. Yeah. And that performance was something. I really had the time of my life watching that with you. So did ASAP. (laughs) ASAP was on cloud nine. Even my dad was like, he looks real happy. 
ASAP in the crowd watching a Rihanna Super Bowl and then a Rihanna Oscars performance making A-Rod look like he never showed up to an event at all. A-Rod shaking, done, found dead in a ditch. A-Rod sideline of the Super Bowl next to Chris Appleton still could never. And it's unfortunate because that was that was his thing. Like it, it throughout it all, throughout the Ben Affleck thing, throughout the end of the engagement, we always held on to the type of of uh, crowd fiance that A-Rod was. And, and Rocky just dethrones him now. And you know what? I kind of feel that that's appropriate. I do too. Nicole Kidman and Armani Privé. I mean, you know what? I'm a Nicole Kidman stan. I'll say it. <laughs> Dodd, that is, that is the queen. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. All you have to do is walk into an AMC on your hands and knees and everyone knows what you're there for. I see her and I get so excited. I do believe that she is one of the last celebrities that to me exhibits that type of star power that I would imagine almost stops you in your tracks. Like, you know, we talk about the concept of being starstruck and in theory, you think that you would be. And then in reality, when you're next to the person, it doesn't feel as overwhelming. I think Nicole Kidman is someone that the starstruck element would be kind of overwhelming. Oh, I I completely agree. And by the way, while we're talking about movie stars and Armani... We cannot ignore Margot Robbie coming out with not only not being in Chanel, but also not the same stylist. I honestly feel like this is not being discussed enough because for as long as we can remember, she'd been styled by Kate Young. And it almost became this running joke on Twitter that you have Margot Robbie, one of the most stunning women in Hollywood, and somehow she just can't nail it looks-wise. And then for the Oscars, she was styled by Andrew Mugel, who also does Zoe Kravitz, Billie Eilish, Channing Tatum, and she came out really showing up for work. So I wonder, is this representative of a now stylist shift? And if so, like to me, that's front page news. Here's the thing. If this is a permanent change, you're right. This is front page news because the conversation now shifts a little bit because my thought process here is how often do we have this conversation of there are no movie stars left? Like exactly what you were just saying about Nicole Kidman. It's like almost something that is a dying art. And every single time we have this conversation, somebody brings up Margot Robbie and it becomes a discussion point. Is Margot Robbie a movie star? Is she not? Do we classify her as such? And I will say that the thing standing in between Margot Robbie being considered without question a movie star is the fact that her red carpet looks never matched up to her star power. And I think that if we're moving towards a new direction of stylist and a new direction of red carpet looks, then those two things are going to begin to match up. And we will now have the finite answer of yes, Margot Robbie is a movie star once she starts bringing these looks to the red carpet. I also have to mention in terms of how this falls into the greater pop culture landscape, you know, Andrew got his start as Kelly Catrone's assistant. Not Kelly Catrone to Margot Robbie becoming a movie star pipeline. That's what I'm saying. It feels very fitting that somehow Kelly Catrone would enter the conversation in a big way. I feel very at peace with that. Anyway, so if anyone else had that reaction to Margot Robbie, you are definitely not alone. I know there was a lot of controversy over Janelle Monae's and that Vera Wang, but to me, Black Boussier, orange skirt, gorgeous. You know what I can't be mad at from the red carpet? Lady Gaga taking that Versace right off Gigi Hadid's body and putting it right on her own and walking down that red carpet. I'll never be mad at that. By the way, another thing I'll never be mad at, Andrew Garfield and Fendi. And there's one look of the night that we have to talk about, and I'm going to let you bring it up, but it's not from the red carpet. It's from the after party. 
I mean this when I say Kate Hudson in that hot pink Tamara Rolfe gown at the Vanity Fair after party took my breath away. Like truly, I grabbed Julie's arm when I saw that photo. She is the ultimate to me. If I could go back in time and say, no, no, wear this one to the Oscars and wear the other to the after party, it's still a great look, but you will – the red carpet will not know what hit them if you wear this to the actual Oscars. I I would make that change. I would go back and do that. You know, but I can't even be mad because how fun was it to end the night with that? Okay. So this brings me to an important point. When I look at this list of all of our moments of the night, our red carpet, I keep coming back to this Vanity Fair after party. And the point that I will make with that is I cannot blame Ashley Graham for thinking that Hugh Grant meant the Vanity Fair after party because she's right. It is the most important part of the night. And so I cannot blame her for going, Vanity Fair, that's right. That's where we all let loose. She was right about it. Okay, so just one second of background context here. Ashley Graham was interviewing Hugh Grant on the red carpet. I'm sure most of you have seen this video. If not, we will put the link in the description. The entire interview is no more than a minute and a half. But it was basically just very awkward. Nothing crazy over the top, but there was a real energy mismatch. Their senses of humor weren't aligned. You could just tell it was a little bit awkward. He kind of rolls his eyes after. But the comment Julie is referring to is she asks him what it's like being at the Oscars, and he says something like, well, you know, it's all just Vanity Fair. She thinks that he means the Vanity Fair after party, so she says, you know, yeah, that's when we really let loose. He meant Vanity Fair and that it's all kind of ostentatious and over the top. So it was kind of just another moment that perfectly represented the mismatch in terms of their communication. And this went viral because it then sparked this debate of like, is Hugh Grant actually being incredibly rude or is Hugh Grant just British, which I think is a hysterical debate to be having on the internet. Well, what I actually thought was really interesting because to me, the whole thing was not nearly as big of a deal as people were making it. And then Jason Kennedy, who is of course a veteran interviewer, tweeted and said, don't worry at Ashley Graham. Now you see why Hugh Grant is one of our favorites to interview live. Well done working around his nonsense. And someone responded, As a pro, maybe Ashley could have kept in mind his history of interviews and been more strategic if she wanted to interview him so badly. She's a grown-up. One wonders why she even attempted to do this in the first place. Weren't there any number of other people to speak with? And Jason responds, not the case. It's pre-produced for a broadcast like that, not her call. Which I just thought was interesting, Jason Kennedy kind of chiming in to basically validate that, yes, maybe Hugh Grant isn't the easiest interview. Well, that's funny because my takeaway wasn't about Ashley Graham interviewing him or not. My takeaway was why, if you're Hugh Grant and you really clearly hate these types of interviews, why opt in for being interviewed in the first place? He didn't have to do that. He could have walked the red carpet, said no interviews, and then done his, you know, presenting at the Oscars. There was no reason for him to have to do it. Like, if you're going to opt into doing something, if you're going to opt into something that you know that you kind of don't respond well to, like, either do it and get into it or don't do it at all. Yeah, he was just clearly not into the whole thing. And it did come across as pretty uncomfortable. I don't think it was this groundbreaking thing that people are making it out to be. But I do think, you know, if you're Ashley Graham or whoever in that situation, how do you handle that? It's really an art. And that's why I always say to you, I think one of the best to ever do it is Kiki Palmer. I know we see her a lot at the Met Gala, but just in general, she has that type of personality that can make even the most uncomfortable situation kind of fun. And I don't think that's a skill set that everyone has. I say that to you a lot about Justin Sylvester, that, you know, aside from loving him as a person, I also think he's an unbelievable host and interviewer because he has that ability to kind of just keep things fun and keep it light. 
Oh, totally. And the ability to just think on your feet in terms of of a response to whatever is coming your way. It's an art. It 100% is. And I thought Ashley Graham really held her own until that interview was over. Like she, she did what she needed to do. She didn't match his energy. She kept her own energy. She kept doing what she was going to do. And then the interview was short and it was over and it was not as big of a deal as it was made out to be. And I think this is just who Hugh Grant is as a person and you either love him or hate him for it. And you are maybe introduced to it for the first time, but no, in the, in the grand scheme of the Oscars, it was a, a minute of it. It's funny though, what you just said about her not matching his energy because I was thinking about it in a real life circumstance that you weren't filmed and you were having a conversation with someone and it started to go like that. I could totally see the reaction or maybe the natural inclination to be to match their energy almost to avoid embarrassment because there's something I think that can feel embarrassing is like you being the more engaging party, you clearly being into it when the other person just has no interest. Yet here you are on national television. This is your job. And so she has to do the thing that may have been even a little bit embarrassing for her, but it's like that's the only course of action that's correct in that situation, you know? Totally, yes. Okay, in terms of other just quick Vanity Fair red carpet moments, because I agree with you, that was the star of the show. Savannah James in that Sergio Hudson, that's my queen right there. Channing Tatum in Armani. Eva Longoria and Zuhair Murad. Kendall. Kendall in that JPG. Kendall took me out. Eva Longoria took me out too. Emrata took me out. Like there was a lot of looks. Meg the Stallion, M. This morning I was looking on Twitter and I was like, she fucking did the thing. I'm telling you, I get Ashley Graham. Vanity Fair brought it. I wonder if Ashley Graham will ever know just how hard we're going for her in misinterpreting Hugh Grant's Vanity Fair statement. Because I agree. In that context, I would be thinking about the after party as well. And let me tell you something. Two things Hugh Grant was not considering when he rolled his eyes after she mentioned the Vanity Fair party. One, we got Adam Levine and Beati Prinsloo for the first time on a red carpet appearance since the DM cheating scandal and them welcoming their third child. And we got a moment at the Vanity Fair after party where Austin Butler is standing there and we see Vanessa Hudgens do the most classic move in the book, which is look up, see her ex-boyfriend standing there, look down at her phone, pretend to text and walk away. I'm sorry. If Hugh Grant knew both of those things were going to happen, he would have apologized to Ashley Graham right then and there. <laughs> we saw such a funny tweet this morning that I'll put a link in the description to credit the, the tweeter. But someone posted the video and wrote, I know she was swiping through her settings of Vanessa. Cause it's true. It's like you are doing anything in that moment to just be on your phone, whether you're texting someone or not. Anything. And you know what? One more Vanity Fair moment that I know Hugh Grant didn't know about because he would have kept his mouth shut. Hunter Schaefer. I'm sorry. Take me out, Hunter Schaefer. Yeah, that feather was working overtime, but she looked so sick. I saw somebody tweeted or a couple of people and said, like, this is what Julia Fox thinks she's doing. Okay, yeah, but also I think I'm not here for Julia Fox slander anymore. I'm kind of on board with her because sometimes she's doing something and I do think it's kind of similar to that. Okay, (laughs) I'm not here for Julia Fox slander in general. If we're critiquing Julia Fox looks in terms of what she thinks she's doing, that's a conversation I, I, I unfortunately can engage in. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who 
know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. In terms of the actual Oscars, good show. I wouldn't say anything overwhelmingly entertaining. I do always forget every single year just how long it is and four and a half hours in, like you're ready to call it quits. But I had a great time. Not as fun as the Grammys, but I had fun. Can I read you? I forgot I did this. I just saw it. I wrote three notes on my phone the entire night. Can I read them to you? Mm. One, Florence Pugh and Andrew Garfield would be a 10 celeb couple. Yes. Two, (laughs) this felt like the coming together of the last three months of Ozempic Discord. This is its inauguration. Mm, True. And the last one, which I actually think is an excellent point and I stand by, which is when we were younger and our parents were growing up as well, the concept of watching TV was like the activity in and of itself. Like you didn't need an added thing. You didn't need a phone while you're watching TV. Like TV was the activity. And that's how the Oscars used to be. The Oscars used to be the activity and you didn't need anything more. But the Oscars now and any award show only works in conjunction with Twitter. It's an ecosystem there. You can't watch the Oscars and have an equal amount of fun as you would normally have. You need to have Twitter now. And so I feel like the whole conversation about is the Oscars fun cannot exist with was Twitter fun and Twitter was fun. Well, yeah, but it's not just Twitter. Generally speaking, having social media in the moment while you're watching and then to be able to go to a place and process in real time other people's reactions. Yes, it makes it for a far more enjoyable viewing experience. 
One just can't exist without the other anymore. The same thing, the same way you can't watch TV without having your phone in your hand. It's probably an unfortunate reality, but it's definitely not one that I am denying. In terms of just some more touching moments, Ki Huy Kwan winning Best Supporting Actor, I said this to you in the moment, but you could feel the energy in the room. You could feel the overwhelming happiness that every single person present felt, and it only, I think, enhanced the moment. I mean, we were both crying, and then we stopped crying, and then Jamie Lee Curtis won, and then we both started crying again. And I was like, how are we starting off the night this emotionally charged? By the way, for a movie that I didn't even see. I know I did, but you did it. That's honestly the elephant in the room that I'm not embarrassed to say and will totally own. Yes, I love watching the Oscars, but it's not as though I've consumed every single movie that they're talking about there. That's not me. It's never going to be me. Our our podcast doesn't exist off of that type of pop culture knowledge. It's one time a year when it really comes to the surface, but I'm not an expert by any means in these types of films. It's it's honestly not where I derive my joy. So like, I wouldn't say that my take is by any means the most valid. I love talking about it as just like a moment in pop culture, but I'm the last one that's going to sit here and evaluate whether or not a movie deserved to win. Emma and I were at dinner last night with like adults which is, I love describing other people who are actual adults <laughs> as adults, even though we're 26 and 28. And every time I say it, somebody goes, you know, you guys are adults, right? But anyways, we were at dinner <laughs> with adults and they were all discussing the Oscars movies and they were asking us what we think and what we were going to say on the podcast. And I was like, Here, here's the deal. Like I saw a couple of the movies, but I can't give you an honest conversation about how I feel about certain movies winning or, or who deserves what, because the type of movies that I want to have critical analysis of are never going to be nominated for an Oscar. I said, if they came out with an Oscars tomorrow for any movie that has below a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, that would be my fucking Super Bowl. I would be sitting here all day. I don't even want to watch a movie that's higher than 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like That is the movies that I derive pleasure from. <laughs> and it's an important acknowledgement because it's true. It's like, you're trying to give me a category that includes Magic Mike. I am there all day. I am just not going to be this wise, worldly, intelligent film critic that can really approach this from true evaluation. That's not going to be me. It's never going to be me. There's people that do it so beautifully. I want to talk about the red carpet. I want to talk about the moments that are a little more pop culture. I'm so excited for the people that won and it is clearly so deserved, but like, that's just, that's just not, that's not where my strength lies and that's okay. And, and it's important to know yourself. And I, you know what? And if we're all being honest with ourselves, don't we all kind of feel the same way? We're not. And that's also okay. But you you know what? You're right. The Oscars are really just a lesson in self-awareness. We need a second Oscars. That's my point. I feel like there should just be some separation in in terms of categories where we can give a nod to the movies that make us love movies, not just that are art. Right. Fully agreed. And all of that to say, when Michelle Yeoh won, when Brendan Fraser won, I'm the first one bawling my eyes out because you can still be so happy for a person without really feeling deeply connected to the work. And with that being said, I know I just went on a whole impassioned speech about not liking good movies, but I did see everything everywhere all at once. And that was a really important part of me being able to to watch the Oscars because that was the moment of the night. And that also was a movie where it was incredibly fun and thrilling to be sitting in a theater and seeing that. And so the recognition that it got last night was overwhelmingly fun and enjoyable for me because of having seen that movie and enjoyed that movie. 
I saw something that was really funny is when Jimmy Kimmel went over to Jessica Chastain to do that bit about Matt Damon. You see Nicole Kimmel being like, oh, thank God, thinking that he was walking towards her. I love a camera catch. Also, Mindy Kelly in that little dress change, you know, it's very typical that you see someone changing from the red carpet to presenting. I would say it's rather atypical to see that exact same dress just in a different color. And that was a move. I mean, she went from white to black and it was stunning. She went full Beyonce homecoming on us. In Beyonce homecoming on Netflix, when you, if you didn't watch both weekends of Coachella and all of a sudden it's pink, yellow, pink, yellow, you're like, wait a second, are my eyes deceiving me or is she in a different outfit? That's how I felt with Mindy. She walked out and I was like, wait a second, is this a, is this the right dress? And then I realized what had happened and I loved that move. Yeah. I thought it was a like black and gold, white and blue dress situation or one of those. The fact that that discourse still comes up is so amazing to me. I cannot scroll past a photo of that on Instagram though without my eyes changing every time. So like it's, I don't think that discourse will ever go away. If I was putting together a time capsule where one day I would have to open it up and like really explain to somebody from the future, like the types of pop culture moments that were so incredibly defining, that picture of that dress would 100% make the cut. People, if you weren't there for that, you will never understand. The way it divided a nation. Like in, in ways that we had not seen. And you know what? In ways that we may never see again. God willing, I can't take that division anymore. <laughs> this country is so divisive. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hulu. 
So we got a little bit of an update in this Bad Bunny, Kendall Jenner situation. First, we got the first pictures of them kissing. This was at Sushi Park in West Hollywood on Tuesday, March 7th. And they were then seen leaving Beyonce and Jay-Z's Oscars after party. It's unclear whether or not they showed up together. A source told Entertainment Tonight, quote, they're taking things slow for now and seeing where things go in the future. They both really like each other and are just hanging out and having a good time. They get along very well and have mutual friends, so the people around them really like them together. Her family is supportive of their relationship. Everyone is happy that Kendall's happy, which we really got nothing from that quote, but I don't know. I mean, I did not see this one coming in all of our conversations about who Kendall would potentially date. Bad Bunny was not mentioned. I think it's kind of fun. I don't see it being a long lasting thing, but that's some real star power. I'm having a lot of fun with this one. I hope they continue to lean in and we see a little bit more. I know Kendall is notoriously very private with her relationships, and so we're never going to get that much out of her. It's never going to be a plot point on the Kardashians. But I, for the time being, can feel very, very fulfilled by any shots of them in a car together leaving a party, leaving Sushi Park and kissing. That's what I'm looking for right now. So I... I I give my kudos to Kendall for stepping up and, and doing what needed to be done for the family. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to have that conversation, as we've discussed numerous times, the Kardashians are not giving that much content as of late. And so for Kendall to really step up with like one of the coolest, most of the moment entertainers in the world right now, it feels big. It feels like necessary kudos, especially for a member of the family that probably does not get the kudos in comparison to her siblings. A hundred percent. And now I'm looking at you, Kim, to to follow up. I feel like it's a volleyball game. Like Kendall set, you do whatever comes next in volleyball. <laughs> right. Like I, I know you're about to be spiking some shit. That's right. Spike that shit, Kim. Like bring bring <laughs> us home. Bring us home. <laughs> also, one other thing we'd like to mention, which I know is kind of old news by now, but we didn't have a regular episode last week because we did two Vanderpump Emergency episodes. Tyga and Avril Lavigne really coming in strong out of left field. Just for context for a second, she had been dating Mod Sun and she was engaged to Mod Sun. They started dating in 2021. They get engaged 2022. And then last month in February, all of a sudden she spotted with Tyga. We see them at dinner. Relationship rumors start to circulate. The Mod Sun breakup had not been announced. Then a week later, March 2nd, Avril and Tyga are seen together in Paris a few days after that, they kind of hard launched their relationship by kissing while attending the Mugler ex Hunter Schaefer party during Paris Fashion Week. And now they're fully dating, and the Monson engagement has been called off. This whole thing is wild. And I will say also, like, I, I do think that we would at least be mentioning this regardless because it seems so incredibly random, like Avril Lavigne calling off her engagement to Mod Sun without ever really acknowledging it and then all of a sudden is dating Tyga and there may be some overlap there. Like I do think that's a story that we would be discussing. But the reason that this has gone so incredibly viral, I feel like, is because of the Kardashian of it all. Like this is the true definition of like all roads lead back to Kardashian. Well, because every single part of this is connected. Like if you want to take from the most basic level of connection, Avril was most recently dating Son, who previously dated Bella Thorne, who was also at one point linked to Scott Disick. That's like child's play. Like that's like if you're playing a game with your friends where you have to find a connection, that's one that you find. But the real bulk of it is number one, Avril Lavigne dated Brody Jenner from 2010 to 2012. She actually was his date to Kim's wedding to Chris Humphreys. Of course, Tyga previously dated Kylie. Let's not forget, Tyga also has a child with Black China, who also has a child with Rob. 
And just the cherry on top of it all, Tyga was also married to Jordan Craig, who has a child with Tristan Thompson. I am so obsessed. If I had to describe you in one way, it would be leading this story by saying, yes, of course we all know that Maud's son dated Bella Thorne, who previously dated Scott Disick, but the real, you know, crazy part of it is like the obvious part of it. Like, do you know what I mean? Everybody else who has presented this story has started with the Avril dated Brody and also Tyga used to date Kylie and Tyga has a baby with Black China who also has a baby with Rob. Like that's where everyone else starts. Your starting point was the Bella Thorne. And then also if we're really going to get into it, the Tana Mojo thruple situation, that is you in a literal like <laughs> story anecdote. I couldn't describe you better. Well, number one, I like to keep you on your toes. But second of all, no one seems to be talking about that. And there is a connection with Mod Sun. If you really wanted to break it down, you could get from Mod Sun to the Kardashians. You can get from anyone to the Kardashians. My favorite connection of this whole thing, though, is the fact that Tyga was once married to Jordan Craig. Because to me, that is so under-discussed. And even when we were really talking about the Tristan Thompson drama, like as it was unfolding in like the first, second, and third iteration of it, we never mentioned the Tyga-Jordan Craig thing. And I'm so happy for that to finally be a real piece of the discussion here. No, me too. And just to give a little timeline to all of this, Tyga was married to Jordan Craig from 2010 to 2011. That is the same Jordan Craig that Tristan Thompson would then have a baby with. They were together from 2014 to 2016. But after Jordan Craig, Tyga starts dating Black China from 2011 to 2014. They have a son together. He then dates Kylie from 2014 to 2017. And in the middle of all this, Black China then starts dating Rob Kardashian from 2016 to 2017, and they have Dream. So it's just really such a web. It really is. It really is. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you, or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. 
So as we know, it was Tristan's birthday on March 13th. He was turning 32. The entire family posted for him, but really the two that got the most attention were Chris and Chloe's. For Chris, she just did a series of stories. We have screenshots of all of them and I got to read them verbatim. Then I'll read Chloe's and then we'll kind of discuss it as a group because I know you guys have thoughts. <laughs> we have thoughts and I know you do as well. So first, Chris posts, happy birthday, Tristan. I know this year has been hard so far, but you seem to find the positive and the light amongst the sadness. You look at the glass half full and it has been so great watching you grow as a dad, a friend, a brother, an uncle, and a son. You have shown me such inspiration and many lessons when it comes to how you deal with adversity and challenges that seem insurmountable. You've used these challenges as opportunities to better yourself day by day. And I know how proud your mom is of the man you have become. Thank you for that and for being such a special part of our family. And Chloe then posted, happy birthday, Tristan. You are truly the best father, brother, and uncle. Your love, attention, silly dances, hugs, carpool rides, bedtime rituals, the way you show up for them, all of the above means more than you'll ever know to your family of littles. My birthday wish for you is that you continue to crave change, healing, and transformation. Be strong, be kind, be patient, be free. Continue to make your soul and your mommy proud. Happy birthday, baby daddy. She then posted 10 slides. The first photo was Tristan Shrew, the new baby, and Tristan's son, Prince, that he had with Jordan Craig. And in the first photo, the baby's face isn't covered. And then if you continue to scroll, any other time the baby is posted, his face is covered, which I honestly initially was a little bit confused by. Like I had a moment of thinking, is this his baby with Marilyn Nichols? Like I, I thought it was two different kids. That's not the case. It is Chloe and Tristan's baby. Just in some photos, the face is covered. In some photos, the face isn't. Tristan's brother was also in some of the photos. Like I said, his son, Prince, Dream. So it was a mix of a lot of different photos. But if anyone was confused, I understand your initial confusion. I have a lot of thoughts on this post. I'm sure you do too. Mm, Let's hear it. The first thing that I'll say is that I do want to be incredibly, incredibly sensitive to Tristan who just lost his mother. And I feel like the purpose of both Chris's post and Chloe's post was to really zone in on this tragedy that Tristan has gone through and, you know, growing from this and becoming the type of man that would make his mother very proud. Like I, I want to be very, very sensitive to that fact because I do understand Chloe stepping up in that position. I understand Chris stepping up in that position to comfort him and his family. Like I have zero negative things to say about that. I think that's the right thing to do. That's what you do. In regards to these posts, my main feeling is just, They show a lot of public respect to somebody who has continuously done the exact opposite to them. Yes, I would say that's precisely it. And I know there's a lot of conversation about the idea of them posting just for his birthday in general, which like, I'm not going to lose sleep over. Would I do it? I don't know if they want to do it, go for it. I just think you as Khloe Kardashian cannot write, you are truly the best father, brother, and uncle. I'm sorry, that is factually incorrect. You cannot be the best father when you have publicly disrespected the mother of that child continuously. You can't be the best. Not saying he's not a great dad to his kids, but it it almost feels, it's like I'm questioning right now why I get so worked up over it when it impacts me 0% and for whatever reason, that's what Chloe finds brings her peace to post about him in this way. It just feels so disingenuous. Like you could make a, a post that, carries a similar sentiment of wanting to celebrate this person without using adjectives such as the best father. He's objectively not the best father. You can't do what you did to Chloe and then still be the best father of that child. I'm sorry. I think the two are, are very connected. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, but like you, you factually cannot be the best father if you have a child that you are refusing to publicly acknowledge or refusing to acknowledge or have any relationship with that the public is very, very aware of. If Chloe wants to take all of the things that Tristan has done to her 
and still consider him to be the best father, even after disrespecting her so deeply as the mother of his child, that's Chloe's business. You cannot publicly acknowledge somebody as being the best father and they have a kid that they will not acknowledge that the entire public knows about. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not right. By the way, a kid that was born while the surrogate was pregnant. You know, it's it's like the thing that when I said I want to shake Chloe in the beginning is like we watched an entire season of Chloe not able to post a picture of herself, not able to leave the house, really uh, so anxious anytime there was any red carpet moment or interview because of the way the internet was going to react to her. Like it, it took a physical toll on her body to have to deal with what people were going to say about her, how they were going to view her. And she then takes the time to publicly acknowledge Tristan's birthday and all of these attributes about him on social media for everybody to see. Like she is willing to take the hit on her own sanity to, to for us to know what she is going to go through in the aftermath of posting this and to publicly acknowledge and respect him in exchange for that and with the knowledge of that happening to me is like, why are you putting yourself through this for him? I know. And I would say that generally speaking, my view on this type of situation is like, there's no negative that comes from publicly celebrating someone like you're putting that into the world. But for some reason, this specifically, it just hit in a way where it felt it, like it felt almost a little bit dehumanizing. And uh, to your point about him losing his mother, like I, that resonates with me so badly. I wasn't the first one to bring it up because I feel like at this point, like everyone fucking knows my mom died. You get it. But like, yeah, the first birthday without your mom is like terrible. Like I'm sure it was a deeply traumatizing experience for him. So if, if they want to be there to support him, of course, no matter who the person is, like give them support in their time of need. But there's a difference between being there, being supportive, showing up, and then proclaiming to the world this uh, view and identity that is so inconsistent with who the person actually is. And that's what I feel is so frustrating. You know, it's like, He's not objectively the best father. Not saying he can't be a good dad, but I, the best, I don't know. It's just like, whatever. It, it, yeah, I, I just, it bothered me. It really did bother me. Like, I can't even get my words out. I don't know why it bothered me so much. It impacts me 0%. It was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it really was the TikTok sound. Like, be fucking for real. Be fucking for real. And I feel like the last thing that I want to say about it and the reason that I think I get really annoyed is because it almost makes me feel like I'm going crazy for a second because basically what has happened is that we have sat through and watched him disrespect Chloe in like the most deeply terrible ways. Like he has really just disrespected her time and time again and forced her to have to answer for him. That's what I really hate is that like every time he fucks up, it's not just his fuck up, it's his fuck up. And then the emotional toll that it takes on Chloe, because she then has to be the person that somehow becomes responsible for his actions, which drives me crazy. But then on top of that, in these moments where they talk about Tristan, especially Chris and Chloe, they talk about these fuck ups as if like it was an innocent mistake and, and he's continuing to grow and change. And they're so happy to be on that ride. It's like, that is not what's happening here. It's like, you have given him chance and time and time again to step up and be the kind of man that you want him to be. And each time he looks like he's on that path. And each time he gains your respect back only to fuck you over, only to turn around and stab you in the back and publicly disrespect you and publicly force you to answer for all of the things that he has done wrong. And yet when they do a retelling of this, when they're celebrating him on his birthday and it's like, wow, 
I wish you well on this continued path of change and and redemption and hope. And uh, it, it, it makes it seem like these are just events that have happened to him and they're along for the ride. That's not what happened. I hate when they rewrite history in this way. And I hate when they downplay what he has done. I think it's a bad message to send. I'm sorry for Tristan to cheat on you three times publicly to allow you to have a baby via surrogate with him while he knows that there is another woman that is pregnant and it is going to come out and he does not tell you until the last, not tell you until it comes out in court documents. And then you go forward as if like, oh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. No, not everybody makes these mistakes. It drives me fucking nuts. I so understand, Julie, and you said it so well that I don't even want to necessarily add on to it because my rage is so consistent with yours. And I I feel you. I'm I'm aligned. I it, This really irked me in a serious way because it does. It downplays the hurt and the trauma that she felt as a result of him and somehow makes it as though the actions are things, like you said, that happened to him as opposed to things that he did. And again, not to say people can't be forgiven, not to say you shouldn't be there for people in their time of need, but to paint someone in a light that at this point feels almost fictional Yes, it's, it's slightly upsetting. I'm happy I got that out. That felt good. Yeah, I know. That was important. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about anything? I think that's it. You think so too? Okay, we love you guys. We'll see you later this week for Kardashians and Bravo. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. Thank you.